Hello, and welcome to Deep Impact, a proud member of the Doof Network where we dive deep into Wabo's most inhuman work five years on. Coming up next is Elliot Diebold. And that was Ruben Morehouse. That's me, and we are back to talk about Extinction, thir- sorry, nope, nope. Execution <laughs> 13.4. Um, We're pivoting, this is no longer a part. we're going back to Worm. Going back to Worm, yeah. Uh, no, Execution 13.4, which is a... Uh, Parahumans Online chapter. What do you call it when it's not Parahumans Online? I called it uh, Practitioners Hanging Out Online yeah. in, in the live read. All right, that's close enough. Um, yes, yeah, so basically the junior council is uh, all sitting in a Skype group chat idly messaging each other while the world around them burns. Yeah, I mean, this is such a fun conceit for a chapter. Um, as we just sort of touched on, we obviously had the, the, the PHO chapters in Worm and, and, and Glowworm as well. Mm. Um, but for me, those were largely based around either public message boards where we didn't really know anyone who was talking or characters yeah. whose identities we didn't yet understand. Um, yeah. and I, I found the flow of those quite hard to, to follow at times. This mm. one is like a small group that, of people who we mostly know, or if we don't know specifically, uh, they're tagged for us to kind of get an inherent understanding of where they're going to be at, more or less. Yeah. Um, it, it was it was really easy to follow for that. Like, I just really like this as a way to kind of have have a bunch of characters who we kind of know uh, talk in a very different way. Yeah. And, and the thing I quite liked about it is the last time we saw the Junior Council when they had that meeting where Blake tried and failed to convince them, um, the conversation felt quite dominated by one or two people, and that does happen again here, but you, you do feel like you get more of a, like, feel for them individually. Like, they all have more of a chance to shine through on their own. Yeah, and I mean, I think that's because, like, something that this chapter really captures is that, like, in chat rooms, there's a different flow to conversations than there is to in real life. Like, I think it's easier to get a throwaway line in mm. or to, to respond to something that wasn't the most immediate thing that was said. Yeah. Uh, and to have, basically, to have multiple conversations going on in one, like, one sort of channel um it, it's very different to to real life stuff and like i mean you know that's i i don't want to use the word gimmick because i feel like it comes with negative connotations and I, I do not mean any of those negative connotations but this is a a great gimmick like it's just mm. you know so i think wabo loves to challenge himself he's always sort of finding new ways to do chapters it's usually in interludes but mm. you can just sort of see for this one he was just like fuck it i'm gonna i'm gonna do a, a you know a chat room chapter because this will be you know <laughs> fresh and, and interesting and that's really how it comes across that there's a very unique but uh easy to follow flow to all this and it's it's just nice and different yeah yeah something i really like about it is um the fact that there's that each character has a little b or d for behem or duchamp <laughs> after their name which is like a thing that totally makes sense in this chat room but also is very much like playing into the uh, family divides that we'll see really emphasized throughout this chapter yeah I, it, it's great because it works for us as readers because it makes it very easy to just if we introduce to a new name or nickname we kind of immediately know whereabouts they're going to be based on that initial uh and then it, it works so well in world because it really encapsulates this whole family lines thing that the junior council is still struggling with it's essentially the crux of this chapter yeah um like this chapter is basically all about Blake and kind of Peter uh, calling them out on the fact that they're still really towing the family line. Uh, and this this is just great imagery for it. 
Yeah, yeah, and it it sets up this team mentality, um, yep. not just opposite teams, but also you know really fighting for your team, your family, right? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So so basically, the chapter starts with the uh, the Bahame and Duchamp kids, uh, more or less discussing whether they should make a deal before the night fully plays out, so that the junior council still has a chance of of being fair and equitable before one of the families wins the contest. Um, yeah, and we get more details on exactly what this deal is later, but we, we can just sort of talk about it now. Um, yeah. Basically, they're just sort of looking for a deal where they can't hurt each other, um, which I think the the idea of which being that, you know, if if they don't have grudges amongst themselves as peers when they get to take over hopefully it will be a more peaceful era because they'll all be friends yes uh and i mean obviously this this idea is really being pushed and led by penny Mm -hmm. um and i want to talk about penny because she you you touched on before how some people still kind of dominate the conversation (laughs) and uh not just because she's a moderator uh Penny is one of the people who I think definitely sort of controls the conversation in this chapter. Yes, I actually feel like we're seeing this without Alastair and Ainsley. And I think because Penny is the oldest Duchamp, um, she she just kind of naturally controls the conversation without Alastair or Ainsley there to kind of counteract her. Um, yeah, maybe. I'm just trying to picture Alistair in a um, chat room. I feel like he'd be one of those people who wouldn't say many or wouldn't wouldn't post many messages but the mm. ones he does are very decisive um mm. i don't know but uh yeah, so fair anyway enough. sort of jump jumping back to, to penny um she really felt to me like mini sandra in this <laughs> chapter yeah uh she she goes on with all this stuff oh you know we can't just keep being our parents pawns you know we we need to unite and then we can lead to this more prosperous future for all of us in the future but she refuses to actually go against her family. Like, and uh, I, I went back and reread 11.9 as I was reading this chapter because that was where we met most of these junior council yep. members and, and already went through this. And this is exactly the stance Penny took in in that meeting as well. Mm. Um, it's actually really good uh, like, to go back and read that because it's been so long since we read 11.9. It was very valuable. I don't back know, when if Blake you... was still mostly human. Yeah. <laughs> mostly. Uh, a lot more than now, I suppose. Well, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. Like, if you're reading this sort of along with us, like, it's almost worth going back and doing eleven point nine, just because you'll see sort of how much how much the conversation that they had in eleven point nine is influencing everyone's opinion in this chat room. Yeah, um, uh, it, and it was it was just I'd forgotten some of those intricacies in the in the time between now and then. Um, but yeah, yeah so it, it's I I think it's really interesting. You're right that like Penny seems to be proposing something that is at least in the right direction towards what, what we and Blake want to do, which is kind of breaking the system, right? They're, they're trying to, um, they're, they're trying to not be so beholden to the, to the family lines, or at least they're kind of paying lip service to that idea. But you're right that Penny isn't diving in fully into that. And, and Blake kind of pushes her on it, uh, later on. Well, I think uh, sort of the reason I, I, I called her mini Sandra is because, yeah, she has this thing where it's like, we're going to unite and then it'll be peaceful and there's no more fighting. But that's just, she's just talking about within these families. Like, she's not trying that's to break true. the system. She's just trying to make the system even more stable. But she wants to keep the privilege and and, and all that. Like, you know, the, the powers that be will stay on top. They're just going to be more united and therefore more pow- powerful, basically. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, she feels like mini Sandra to me because there's that... Uh, you, 
when you first see her ideas, you're like, yeah, yeah, I guess that makes sense. And then the more you sort of think about it, like, well, you're like, oh, that's just kind of perpetuating all the problems. And that mm-hmm. was that's my thing with Sandra. Every time I see Sandra, I'm like, she is quite nice. And it's like, yes, but she's being nice about, you know, instilling all these terrible systems. And yeah. it kind of feels like that's a kind of feels like that's what Penny is doing here a little bit. Yeah, that's that's a fair read. Uh, it is very much, yes, you and I, Behames and Duchamps, will get along. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, you're going to do nothing for those poor victims of, like, the butt sacks in town or anything. Yeah, and that's, uh, I think, what Peter's going <laughs> to touch on later. Yep. There's also a great little bit where Penny tries to do a bit of a rule of three and she gets shut down. Um, I just like this is an <laughs> added little detail of, like, what chat rooms would be like in this world. Like, being a mod... Looks even harder here than it would be in real life, like yeah. poor mags. Can you imagine having to moderate the minefield that is a practitioner conversation <laughs> and then multiply <laughs> that by 100 and that's what this is? Yep. Um, yeah, I, I think it's so funny that mags is the moderator of this chat room. Like, that's such a hilarious it's, little setup. Yeah, it, it's, a, it's a nice little delivery, isn't it? Yeah. I, I, I imagine that gets a chuckle out of most people. You can only, <laughs> of course. <laughs> um, so suddenly uh, Dolores D renames her, uh, renames herself to Thorburn Boogeyman and uh, shit gets real. Blake has entered the chat. <laughs> this is so fucking good, this moment. <laughs> yeah, it's so, like, it's so dramatic of a way to enter. Like, he, he doesn't message being like, hi, it's me, Blake, I'm not Dolores. He he just changes her name to Thorburn Boogeyman. Like, <laughs> it's such a dramatic move. Like, I bet he fed some fear off of that one. Oh, 100%. Uh, whether that was a conscious or subconscious decision uh, to do that, mm. I don't know. Um, maybe yeah, a little true. Bit- Maybe a little bit of both, but, um, I mean, something that's established right away is that, um, like Blake in his first message just stops making typos and it's just clearly his like tree hands are clunky and he eventually sort of expresses that. But right from the start, you're kind of like, wow, he's really struggling. So you can just sort of see he probably changed the name and then was quickly going to type a message and the others got like five or six in before he managed to do it. Yeah, I, I actually kind of think changing the name as his intro was a bit of a mistake because they all, <laughs> basically, the, he, he tries to keep them on conversation, but they're all just kind of trying to figure out, well, is Lola okay? Do we need to go over to her house and attack Blake? Like, what are we doing? It, it kind of hurts Blake's ability to, like, talk to them. Yeah, but if he's getting these conscious or unconscious nudges to feed on the fear, you know, you got to let that simmer for a bit. You can't just eat it raw. Um, it's got to be, you know, medium. <laughs> you got to let the tension build uh, a bit first. Uh, but, I mean, I think the other the other thought I had is, obviously, everyone's acting as if the whole rules around always telling the truth still apply in the chat room. Yes. Uh, assuming the rule of three does, then you can yes. assume the rest of it does too. Um is it a lie to post under somebody else's name? Like maybe you literally have to change your name before posting. Otherwise mm. it's like deceitful. I don't know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, like even, even uh, Pordrick didn't claim he was Maggie Holt until he actually had the name. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, possibly. And, and if you don't mark yourself as AFK immediately, oh, you're in trouble. Um, anyway, uh, I, I think that's a, that's a great example of Penny's like control freak. Yes. She's the one who keeps going through and being like, uh, this person is AFK. And it's like, I just, I don't know. Maybe I, wait, yeah. I haven't been in too many chat rooms in my time, but that just doesn't seem necessary to me. Yeah. She's it, renaming people to have shorter names because their names are just too long. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so luckily, uh, uh Lola as Dolores too comes back online <laughs> to let people know that she's okay quickly. And then from there, some productive conversation can take place. Maybe. 
I mean, it does for a little bit. Uh, yeah. But before Penny kind of uh, derails it, yeah, puts puts the puts the hammer down. Um, I mean, uh, like I think Blake gets in a line right before uh, Dolores, which is just such an unLola name. I love it. Yeah. Um, just before Lola sort of rejoins the chat, Blake gets that one line in where I think he convinces like Tandy Behame. Uh, where he's, he, uh, he's having an argument with Owen or Craig and he sort of says, isn't this just the manipulative shit your parents used to control you? And <laughs> yeah. Owen's like, no. And then Tandy's like, well, actually though, it kind of yeah. is. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just like, there's like this glimmer of hope and then you see Lola and cause Blake's done a fucking awful job until this point of explaining that she's safe. Um, so I was very glad that she took it into her own hands literally to, to do that. Hmm. Yeah, the way some of these younger uh, Bahames and Duchamps react kind of reminds me of, of how Evan is, right? Where he's not old enough yet that he kind of l- has learned to play by the rules, which means they'll they'll just say what they fully think, right? Mm. And so Tandy can be convinced and won't just toe the, the party line. She'll actually say, oh, yeah, wait, that is the same thing. Um, yeah, it's just an interesting parallel, I think, between the younger uh the younger practitioners and and evan yeah and i mean good evan's yeah. the best thing in this story and yeah. you know these people all lying to each other because that's what it is i don't care that it's technically not that's what they're all doing it is like the biggest problem that this world has right now yeah um, no so, I'm with you. yeah the, whatever it takes the closer you get to evanness the better um <laughs> yeah so so blake basically makes his proposal which is that he wants the duchamps to give him the names of people to go after duchamp husbands <laughs> um and if he kills the shittest duchamp husbands it depowers the duchamps which is good for him and for molly but also works to break the wheel for the duchamps so it's a bit of a win-win yeah i mean it's a bold strategy he lays everything out on the line with the whole like uh, just so you know, I have promised to weaken your family, but the way I want to do it is by killing all the shit heels, um, rather than just which, killing you know, he, he, everybody. Yeah, which you know he sort of had to know it was going to be a mixed success. Yes. But, um, yeah. Um, yeah, it's a good, it's a, it's a good strategy. Uh, but unfortunately, Penny does not stand for it. Um, she basically puts her foot down on the Duchamp's breaking family lines to give Blake, you know, implicit permission to start murdering by muting the chat. Um, Mags disagrees with this, stating that she's just kind of silencing the youngest practitioners, which was explicitly what the junior council was not about. Um, <laughs> Penny kind of is, is standing with the adults rather than with the children in this, and uh, it seems that uh, people are not happy with her about it. Mini Sandra. Yeah. Um, no, yeah, definitely. I, this is such a fun moment, but you sort of see Blake sort of say this, and then it's just immediately, it's like, Penny has locked the chat, and I was like, oh, this is about to get real. Mm. Um, and, yeah. yeah, I mean, it kind no, of No, I don't know. I, I don't know how to feel about this, because I, I get why Penny is obviously doing the adult, like, the bad adult thing here, the thing that they explicitly mm. don't want to do. But also, saying to people, uh, children younger than what 15 saying to them hey tell me who you want who you think is bad and i'll murder them at 4 a.m in the morning you know impulsively <laughs> like I, it's not it's not a fair question to ask regardless <laughs> of how bad some of these duchamp husbands might be and so i kind of agree that when penny says no I, like this is fucked up i'm kind of like you know what penny it is fucked up you're you're a bit <laughs> right about that yeah i mean that kind of sums up my entire feelings on this chapter is um as you're sort of going through it 
I don't know if there's a single character who has like more than two lines who doesn't have at least one point that I agree with throughout this. Even yeah. some of the Bahames make decent points at various <gasps> no. times. Um, <laughs> so it's kind of like, and I, th- I think that's what I love about this chapter is it's essentially the whole chapter is just a bunch of people having this debate that the story has been talking about for a while now, which is, you know, should we break the system? Is that a net positive sort of type thing? Yeah. Um, and obviously, more most for the most part, we've got fairly biased people in that regard because they're mostly the the fairly privileged ones in this system. But um, yeah, I mean, as you said, Penny's concern isn't invalid, but it's that classic sort of Sandra esque thing where it's like, oh, it's, that does seem like a pretty good thing, but it's this little microcosm of fighting against change in the system. Yeah. But then at the same time, Blake's current strategy for changing the system is he just wants to go murder a bunch of people. So I'm not really yeah. a fan of that. So like, I just, yeah, see, this is the problem. Every time I start talking about the people in this chapter, I find myself, I, I'm dragging myself around in circles on everyone's arguments. Yeah. Which is great. But the, yeah, I mean, like the more you go in circles, the less things actually change, right? The more you're kind of like, well, it could, maybe let's wait and see. It could be either both are good. Like that's mm, the exact exactly. kind of thing that leads to the perpetuation of the system. Um, anyway. Uh, so, so Mags decides to unmute the chat and basically everyone is pretty pissed off at Penny at this point. Um, <laughs> yeah, also... well, it starts, it starts off with some, do- uh, sorry, it starts off with a Baham sort of being like, oh, yes. Penny, how could you do this? And then it's a bunch of Duchamps being like, fuck you, Penny. Well, yeah, basically. they don't go that far, but they're definitely no. pissed off. Um, um and, and that's just where you sort of get the sense of like, okay, like, you know, we're really stoking the fires here, which is, which is good. I think like it's painful, but necessary change. That, you know, Blake is spreading around town. Yeah. He's a good little abyss boy. One of my favorite uh, lines that comes out here is Clomo, who I don't know who that, like, is there a Chloe Duchamp? Uh, It's Um, Chloe. Yeah, it's Chloe. She says, um, uh, Penny says, uh, this conversation's getting really hard to manage. And Clomo responds, manage Penny or control, which is such a Duchamp (laughs) burn. I love it. Yeah, preach, Chloe. Um... (laughs) Yeah, and I mean, Mags sort of makes the same, a similar type claim. Um, yeah, I I don't know. It's, yeah. yeah, so good. Yeah, uh, we also get Ellie, Pete, and Christoph joining the chat, which is uh, destined for fun. <laughs> yeah, I mean, should we talk about how Peter, who, who we <laughs> soon learned is typing on behalf of yes. Ellie, Pete. Also, um, I love that they're one username. Like, yeah. <laughs> of course they fucking are. Um. Yeah, it was actually great because w- so basically, Ellie Pete is just an unhelpful, sarcastic asshat for for the first half of their appearance in the chapter, yeah. and I could not decide if I thought it was Ellie or Peter who was typing, which, which was <laughs> hilarious to me. I was like, every time I kept thinking mm, that seems like a Pete move, and I was like, mm, but it's also a dickhead move, which means it could be Ellie. Yeah. Um. Uh, so so that was kind of fun. Um. Uh, but like, it's like I just. Blake did the same thing when he arrived. I don't know what it is with the Thorburns and just not answering questions properly or explaining themselves. It's so frustrating. I'm just like, just <laughs> like you know, they're, they're like, oh, is this a fairy? And Pete just writes, no. And yeah. I'm like, well, Has someone guessed how, the password? No. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't helping at all. Yeah. Um, I also like, uh, there's this bit where, uh, I'll just read it out. Penny has named Christoph to Chris. Chris has renamed Chris to Christoph. <laughs> which is just a fun little beat of Penny being controlling and Chris reaffirming his identity, which is great. Uh, it's it's a strong thing to do if you want to become a practitioner. Yeah, I mean, and, and we've we we sort of talked earlier about how maybe names are important online. 
uh, if you're a practitioner. But obviously, I mean, Parahumans makes a big deal out of yep. people's names. Um, yep. Go with Cinder, we've got Wormer, we've got Ward, if you, if you want more. Uh, <laughs> but it, it's it's a nice touch seeing how it's used here and how Kristoff is sort of firmly planting this this flag down and saying, no, 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 I, I'm not Chris, I'm Kristoff. It's just like a nice little bit of characterization that's worked so naturally into the chapter. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and it's interesting. We've never really seen him called Chris before, but it's clear he, he wants to define himself in a more uh, archaic-sounding name, which is fun, I guess. Yeah, I actually went to call him... Like, I had Chris written down in our notes for one of the chapters he was in in Arc 12, and as we got to it and the thing, it just felt weird to call him Chris. So I called him Kristoff, yep. and I guess... Anyway, so subconsciously, that idea had already sort of been planted in us, I guess. Um, yeah. It, it's also interesting how this compares to Penny, because obviously... When we first met Penny in Arc 2, I remember she introduced herself as like, oh, I'm Penelope, but my friends call me Penny. Yeah. And then, like, spat at her or something. Um, <laughs> Classic Blake. Yeah. And then in 11.9, uh, when he first tried to convince the council, she was Penelope in that entire chapter. The word mm. Penny's not in there once. Yeah. Um, but here, she she's Penny. So it's interesting to see how she uses, like, like she's leaning towards the more familiar names here and there's nicknames all throughout and i think that's probably an environment she's been trying to foster uh it's christoph sort of fighting against that yeah yeah um yeah it's interesting we've i i do like the concept of of the names and what they mean i i mean i i think penelope being penelope to her enemies and penny to her friends is a relatively straightforward one but it's always just fun to see how people choose to define themselves. It, it kind of gives me this vibe of, um, of like choosing an implement and how it reflects you to other people, right? Mm, mm. Um, I mean, there's probably a very interesting book coming out in the world of Pact that looks at online names and what they mean for your personal power. <laughs> I'd read that. Yeah, I mean, I would too. Um, you know, like you got someone like Chloe buying, going by Clomo. Yeah. And it's like, well, what is that? mean yeah how, how is she defining herself she's more yeah light-hearted than someone like penny who is very much towing the the business lines here mm. um anyway but, but yeah i like, just in in the world of pact you know we've seen how like mags is distinct from maggie holt or whatever so yeah. you could see that you, the distinction between chris and christoph or penny and penelope is maybe a thing in in the world to some extent and i wonder how that translates to online presence yeah yeah um, mm. um anyway i mean the, the book's never gonna go there but food for thought i guess <laughs> <laughs> you never know uh so blake then kind of gets into this part of this conversation where he's more or less explaining to the junior council again i mean he hasn't explicitly explained it to them but he's explained it to basically everybody uh explaining that he's he never really asked to be a diabolist he never asked to inherit the stuff from from granny rose Every action that he's taken, in his view, has been forced by the people who are acting against him for no reason. Um, yeah. Do you think he's getting sick of having to tell people this? Because I'm getting bloody sick of all the people he keeps having to tell this to. It's yeah. like, it's just, yeah, I, I mean, I, wait, this just so encapsulates all the stuff Black Lamb's Blood was talking about right in Arc 4. He's just like, I didn't want this. Yeah. I was just a normal person. You all kept attacking me. So I kind of had to. And and I'm fact, a fucking I... tree monster. Yeah. Thanks. Well, that's the thing. It's kind of like, you pushed me to the point where I had to use this stuff and I still didn't and I'm fucking suffering for it. Please stop. Mm. Yeah. Um. I don't think it gets through to them. I, I don't think... So I think by the end of this chapter, 
it has gotten through to them, but I don't think it's Blake that does it. I think it's Peter and Kristoff later. Here, yeah. like, Blake is too much of an enemy to them. They already basically hate him. I mean, Owen and Craig come back immediately with, like, hey, you killed my uncle slash dad, which is like, yeah, they're never going to get on side with you, Blake. It's just not going to happen. No, and I mean, I think that that was exactly why he brought the others in. Yeah. Because uh, he can sort of point at them and be like, hey, here's some people who you haven't completely fucked up yet. Uh maybe let's stop here uh yeah. it seems to be sort of the basic strategy yeah um yeah it's a good move bringing the thorbirds in like they've been consistently fairly useful um and they i mean peter's uh fairly abrasive here but he does seem to make an impact <laughs> right he, he jumps in and which he, is very peter yeah he goes on this kind of rant about how privileged the behames and duchamps are and how they're so like poor me in their attitudes whereas in comparison the thorburns have literally have to wade through piles of hot shit um <laughs> yeah uh, i mean again preach but yeah. yeah like no uh, it's yeah i was 100 yeah. percent on board with this rant i was just like yep yep yeah. yep yep um <laughs> the way it evolves is also hilarious like he's <laughs> yeah. he's like uh mags could you please unmute me i have a few things i want to say fuck you th- babes <laughs> fuck you Dishops. it's great um and it seems to break through right it seems to at least start to break through this shell of delusion that they've been wrapped in from a young age yeah i think it definitely does a little bit um i i don't want to i don't want to undervalue i think christoph and mags help as well uh christoph brings up you know how callan died yeah christoph's like why did he deserve it like he he had done nothing yeah and penny's penny's like well it's more complicated than that and then Cop out. And yeah and then mags just kind of comes in and um i mean this yeah or and mags is just sort of like i don't know if it is that much more complicated like i feel terrible about what happened to molly and uh, like i i don't know if i'm any well she, she basically says i think like laird and sandra and johannes might be just as complicit as i am yeah um which is i think the first time she's allowed herself to voice a thought like that um it's a it's a huge bit of progress from all yeah. the signature um and then owen basically is like oh what do you want me to feel bad it's like so what i i do feel bad and it's like then fucking change um, yeah but uh, anyway, I, I just, I mean, just uh, yeah. to, to latch onto that Mags bit, because we, we skipped over it um, in our notes, but Mags is doing such a shit job at being an impartial voice in this. I kind of love it. <laughs> is she, though? I mean, I, I guess she does seem to be letting her opinions come through, which I guess is against what she should be doing, but I don't yeah, know. Sorry, no, you're <laughs> right. So that may have been unfair. I think she's doing a very good job, but you can just... Mag is probably the one person who doesn't say anything I disagree with. And admittedly, part of that is because she's not allowed to say anything concrete. But you can see just how she keeps trying to steer the conversation in the right direction. Like, yeah. right, at, right at the start when they're sort of like, oh, should we sign this agreement? And, and Manx is just sort of like, I can't tell you what to do, but maybe you could just sort of sign it now and, and like, you know, have it come into effect later. Or don't. I'm not here to tell you what to do, but <laughs> maybe you should do the sensible thing. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of her vibe throughout this whole thing. She's always like, can't tell you what to do, but like, maybe. But here's my suggestion of what you should do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I-, I loved it. Um, so the twist at the end of this chapter comes, and it's such a juicy one, where uh, Penny basically says, uh, look, we're not going to give you any names for your hit list, Blake. And Blake's like, uh, I've already got seven names through DMs, so sorry. I'm off to murder some folks. Um, it's such a great, like, uh, mic drop moment. Yeah. Like, 
Penny's just finally like, look, this isn't working. You're not getting any names. And he's like, I've already got, like, an absurd amount of names. Seven yes. is a lot of names. Seven more than is I would have expected. Lot. Like, <laughs> I, was this... This couldn't have been seven different dish shops. I don't think there are that many in this chat. So everyone was naming multiple people that they're like, yeah, go get this one and this one and this one. Like, they really must have lumped in. I My headcanon is that Lola's one of them. She's just DMing him from across the room. <laughs> um, yeah, she has been surprisingly quiet. So maybe she was just sending DMs to Blake the whole time. Uh, I, there's this bit though I really like where Blake kind of sums up his point and he says you're free to continue chatting with the Thorburns or don't censor them kick them out but consider what that means if you're doing to them what you did to Molly and Callan which is just like it's such a great way of summing up hey we're here we're people if you're if you want to you know kill us fucking do it to our faces <laughs> uh yeah uh, I, I agree. In fact, I, I love how it sort of followed up. Um, Penny, Penny just sort of comes in with this weak ass, like, oh, this was supposed to be a safe place where, you know, we didn't feel the pressure of all the stuff our parents are putting onto us. And, and Peter just jumps sort of in with like, no, you're just hiding from reality. Yeah. Like, you're, you're just, you know, no wonder you're called the junior council. You're doing the same shit. Yeah. Uh, it's so good and then um i think elspeth is like that's not fair and blake's just like i don't know probably not anyway i gotta go kill some people anyway see ya i'm out (laughs) (laughs) yeah no it's good i i don't know like i feel like it's getting through to them but it's hard to know for sure right i think uh, the impression i've got at the moment is i feel like seeds have been planted now i don't know if i'm confident that many of the main contributors to this conversation have been converted but Mm. there's going to be doubts now and I mean, obviously, look, it worked on someone because he's got seven fucking names. So someone's on board. Yeah. I So uh, seven names. I was thinking about this and thinking seven seems like a lot for the Duchamps. And so I kind of got this thought into my head that maybe the Bahames have named some family members as well, which sounds pretty insane. But it's worth pointing out that the, the Duchamps that have been killed so far aren't just husbands. There was one, you know, pure blood, blonde haired female Duchamp that, that was... Uh, cast to die by Joyce. So it's not out of the realm of possibility that, that a Bahame would be like, you know what, my, you know, cousin thrice removed is actually a huge dickbag, so get, go get him too <laughs> while he's around. I mean, yeah. Uh, maybe. I, I don't know. I, I don't know about that. It, it, I, it could be possible. I, I wouldn't bet on it. But, <laughs> yeah, um, I, I just kind of want to see more yeah. Bahames die, I guess. Yeah, I mean, look, you, you wouldn't have to ask Blake twice. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's the end of execution 13.4. Um, it's, it was a fun chapter. I really, again, I really love these chat room, uh, style chapters because they just give you such a different, like, way of the story unfolding. It's always so nice to spice it up. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, like it's such a fresh sort of chapter to read. Um, like it just flows Mm. so differently. And I, I, I think it was a really well done chapter as well. I, I just really enjoyed this for how different it was. Yeah. Um, before we wrap up, before we wrap up though, uh, it's time to review some answers that have been left to our discussion question for this week. Um, yeah. So as a reminder, the discussion question here was talking about the heart and soul between Blake and Rose, whether Rose actually has it as she is so insistent that she does. Um, and if so, what does that actually mean? <laughs> yeah. And, um, it, yeah, everyone took this in very different directions, which I really liked. Yeah. Um, cause I think it's such an ambiguous concept and it was fun to see different people's interpretations of what heart and soul might mean. Yes. I think, um, <laughs> uh, a user called flower priest, 
uh, interpreted this in a way that I think was quite different to everyone else, where they basically took the metaphor that we like to use of, of practitioners being, you know, capitalists and extended this out to, to basically its natural extension where having a heart and soul in this system kind of is equivalent to basically your ability to produce, your ability to be a good cog in the capitalist practitioner system. Um, <laughs> so under this system, we can compare Rose and Blake and see who feels like they're more of a cog in the machine and uh, Flower Priest kind of implied that uh, they it's landed Rose. on Rose. Yeah, Rose is, yeah. <laughs> Rose is more able to do the practice, right? She got the voice of being the Thorburn and, and that kind of... And she also, you know, Blake is obviously defined by wanting to fight against the system, whereas Rose seems to be at least more willing to play inside it. Um, mm. So, yeah, Rose kind of is set up as the loyal heir while Blake is the starving artist. And obviously, who produces more under that system? Well, Rose. I like that. That's such a wacky interpretation of the question, but I, I, I really like it. <laughs> yeah, it's a good lens um, to, to view it through, I think. Yeah, I, I never would have thought of that. Um, uh, we got one from Cow Subaloo, version 2, uh, who mm-hmm. says, Rose has the soul, um, because Blake's soul at this point, if he has any, is basically just drains and tree spirits, uh, which is a very literal but probably fair interpretation. <laughs> yeah. Um, but Cow Subaloo also thinks that Blake has the heart, um, both figuratively and uh, at least where we are now, um, literally. Mm. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I think a few people uh, either landed on the heart being too hard to place or the soul being too hard to place, and so they only kind of talked about one. Um, yeah. Like Napalm Eagle, who made a really good point, and I'm just going to read out a quote from it, where they wrote, when Rose was in the mirror, she felt a slowed-down heartbeat. On Blake's side, however, after he realised what he was, he only feels bird flutters in his chest. I feel this makes a good case that the heart, at least, resides wholly in Rose's chest. Which I think makes a lot of sense. Rose, Rose's reaction to being in the mirror was heart-related, whereas Blake's reaction was birds instead of a heart. So, makes sense to me. Rose has the heart. Uh, yeah, this one's very hard to argue. Like, that's very literal in text uh, evidence one way, um, which I think is probably something Wobbo's hidden in there that we just sort of missed until uh, till this was just brought to our attention. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, this this definitely lands on the whole sort of physically Rose ended up with them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there was a Sandwich, user called Sandwich, who talked about... Uh, I think something that we've touched on a fair amount, which is Blake having the heart because of his interactions with, like, Evan and his drive to be so noble and self-sacrificing, which is obviously one one way of interpreting the heart. Um, And I think I used to agree with this more than I do now. Like, and not just because Blake has obviously turned into a literal monster, but because (laughs) every time... Like, we've had these stretches of time where Blake has been away from Rose, and he's gotten so inside his own head about him being the goody and Rose being the baddie. But then when we come back to to Rose, we see that from her perspective, she's actually been putting a lot of herself into, you know, trying to help the Cabal, as an example. I, I kind of feel more and more like the the more we're in Blake's head, the less we actually see all of the self-sacrifice that Rose does. Um I mean, she, she, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I'm kind of a little torn on it. I, I feel like Rose is, Rose is still acting quite nobly. We just don't see it. And Blake doesn't give her credit for it. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I think that's fair. Uh, to sort of go off like a, a similar-ish answer, um, we had a great one from Beard of Valor, uh, who pointed mm. out that um, 
like Rose inherited all of her connections to people, uh, and 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 kind of still seems to be doing a worse job of them than like a literal tree who had his connections <laughs> cut to them. Yes, um, that's fair. Like like, and Blake actually made friends. Like while Blake was alive for like two weeks, he became friends with Tiff, mm. Evan, like the Knights of the Basement, the Astrologer. Uh, as far as we know, Rose has been barely struggling to maintain half of those. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, her only positive relationship that she's come up with is arguably Alistair, and that yeah. wasn't even her idea. Um, yeah. So, you know, if we're making the case that the heart is all about, you know, being able to connect with, with people and all that, like that that would be an argument for in, in Blake's Well... Camp. I also Corviday. That's Rose. <laughs> Does that count? <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I guess I'm going to put that in the arguably good column. Um, and <laughs> I, I'm very interested to hear your argument. Yeah. No, you're right. Um, Blake, Blake definitely seems to be better at having people actually like him. Mm. Um, Bidival also brought up, and this was a bit of a recurring theme throughout the movie, the, the soul is a bit harder to define for a lot of people. Like, I think heart, a lot of people went for this interpretation of the heart being, you know, sort of your strength of character or connection to other people, just sort of being a good person, basically. Um, soul seemed a bit harder to quantify for most people. Um, but Bidival brought up two interesting points in, in this, which is, uh, which one of them has the soul doesn't matter because it's kind of forfeit since they're mm. diabolists, uh, which is an interesting yeah. point. I mean, um, yeah, fair. <laughs> uh, but be, in part of that, uh, Bidavell brought up that Blake let Pose go. And that's just relevant because mm. I'd totally forgotten about that. And Pose is out there somewhere. And that's just a horrifying little extra thought as <laughs> we watch Jacob's Bell burn. Um, it's good to know that there's bad stuff elsewhere too. Yeah, is it? I guess. <laughs> um yeah so we also got a comment by sahibum seven who who basically broke it down uh talking about nature versus nurture um where the heart is analogous to nature and this seems to fit blake more blake is much more guided by instinct he follows his gut um and he he's very you know his blakeness always shines through right Mm, mm. um and then to contrast that we have soul which is analogous to nurture, which uh, Sohibam uh, says is Rose, uh, because Rose, as far as we understand, started out a lot more blank, a lot more of a blank slate than Blake did. Yeah. Um, and yeah, she didn't have anything. She didn't have a body, uh, but she has definitely grown into being a a kind of complete person uh, now with uh, her own body. So that's nice. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, like I think that that idea of Blake being nature and Rose being nurture seems like it, it really holds up. Like, yeah, like Blake has just always sort of been who he is and he goes with his gut. Mm. Um, and you know, he was kind of made to do that. Um, so, you know, that's in his nature to be in his nature. Um, and, and then, yeah, Rose has always been the bookworm and, and learning and growing herself. Um, yeah. So I quite like that analogy. How much that maps to heart and soul? I mean, the more answers that I started to read of this, the more I realized I didn't really understand what I meant by heart and soul. Yeah, um, it's interesting. I, I think I think it was Kyrgyzstan who, who kind of said uh, something to the effect of, like, you can interpret heart and soul in a lot of different ways, but really the metric that matters is what do the spirits, how do the spirits interpret heart and soul? And as far as we can tell, Rose has the knowledge and uh, has cut Blake up enough and Barbara, the barber has cut up Blake enough that 
by the mechanics of Pact, it actually is most likely Rose has whatever the heart and soul is, according to the spirits. I mean, that's definitely true. If you're going to look at it statistically, um, Rose has a lot more than Blake does of anything yeah. at this point. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Um, that's our, that, there were, there are a lot of great discussion question answers. I, I, I thank you all for leaving your responses. If you didn't unfortunately have a chance to leave your answer to this discussion question, never fear because we have a new one for you. And this one, uh, is going back to the classics of making up a backstory for something. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, we've, uh, we, we're going to dip back into our creative writing prompt type discussion questions yeah. for this week, uh, where basically the, the. You know, yeah, because it's not a question. This is just a straight-up prompt. Um, it's pick a god <laughs> from any mythology and come up with how they might have ascended to that position, like similar mm. to how Molly is maybe doing right now. Yeah. So obviously we're seeing Molly maybe grow into this god of resentment and shit feelings. And, um, you know, like how, how did some other gods do that? Like, you know, to pull off, to pull out a... A simple example from in the story, like, you know, Dionysus would be one. Like, how did Dionysus end up being a god of drink and sex? I mean, mm. you can probably connect some of those dots. But, yeah, like, I don't know. I think there's a lot of room to pick some wacky gods and think, how, how did they become a person that was defined by this thing so much that they ascended yeah. uh, to godhood? I love the idea of Molly was a person and there's this through line of her murder leading to her feeding off negativity, leading to her become this negative energy god. Uh, but you look back and you think you look at the original Molly and you think, okay, this person, you can see the parts, the threads that were tugged to get her to be a god. So how can we work backwards from there? Who was the person at the heart of Dionysus or Zeus or, you know, Persephone or whoever it is, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Or don't even, I mean, don't you don't even have to go to like those classical... Yeah, stay away uh, from the Greek gods. Greek They're the Roman. boring ones. Yeah, like pick some wacky god I've never heard of from some part of the world I'm not familiar with. That'd be mm-hmm. awesome. Um, yeah. So if you want to uh, leave us your god backstories, the place to do that is in our discussion thread, which will be linked down in the show notes down below. Yes. Uh, and, you know, if you want to learn more about the rest of the Doof Media Network, there's there's a whole other show dedicated to, you know, writing prompts just like mm-hmm. the one we gave you. Yep. Uh, you can head on over to doofmedia.com, check them out. That's Do the Right Thing, the one I was talking about there, in case you didn't know that already. <laughs> yep um if you want to get in touch with us and uh do connect with us i guess the place to do that is our twitter which is at media md podcast yes uh 24 hours after this is released i'll be reading the next chapter uh which i guess is where blake logs off the computer and goes and starts his killing spray yay um have fun times uh so you know if you if you if you're interested in seeing this podcast continue beyond blake's killing spree uh, head on over to patreon.com forward slash do for media because honestly it's our patrons that mean that we can keep doing this show and, and everyone can keep doing all the shows on the doof network so yeah. it really helps us out you're our spirits feeding us with your beautiful life energy that allows us to keep this practice going um mm-hmm. similarly if you want to feed wildbow with your spirit energy the place to go is patreon.com forward slash wildbow because he is a patron supported author that's right uh, so apart from that, we'll see everyone on Friday, the 15th of November, as we hit Execution 13.5. See you then. See you then.